0: Are you ready to take your leadership skills to the next level? Do you want to lead with confidence, inspire your team, and achieve your career goals? I'm excited to announce Lead Intuit is now offering leadership coaching. Picture this, 60 minutes of focused one-on-one coaching that will transform the way you lead. Whether you're a seasoned executive or just starting out on your leadership journey, Lead Intuit has the expertise and guidance to help unleash everyone's full leadership potential. With one-on-one coaching with me, you'll develop powerful leadership strategies, enhance your communication skills, build a high-performing team, and achieve your career aspirations. The website leadintoit.co is your gateway for us to work together and create a tailored coaching plan to fit your needs and goals. So don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to supercharge your leadership skills. Visit leadintoit.co, that's leadintoit.co today. You're listening to episode 25, part 2 of the Lead Into It podcast. I'm Sarah Greco, and I have over 10 years of experience in various roles and industries. During this time, I learned just how crucial leadership is as both an employee and a leader myself. This has led me to a mission to inspire and provide resources for those who have a desire to be a leader in their field. The Lead a Podcast is designed to help you learn how to be a leader with advice, tools, tips, and inspiration from people with all different types of background. Let's get started. Well, congrats, everyone. We made it to the end of 2020 and it has been a heck of a year. What I wanted to do for this last episode was bring you some of the best moments that I had from the past year. And so what you'll be listening to are a bunch of leadership lessons and advice in a single episode. Today's episode has five, and I'll go through each of them one by one to give you a quick description before going into them. But in the show notes, you'll find the timestamps for each of these. So if you just want to hop to a specific one, I'll include that in the show notes. You can find it and just skip on over, or feel free to listen to all of the advice. Anyways, the first one is from episode 18, Yes, and with Emily Savisha, and we had talked a little bit about her improv training and what that kind of entailed and how it translated to the corporate world. This snippet is very short, but it talks about gift giving and how it relates to being a leader. The second one is from episode 12, Own Your Mess with Scott Miller. And in this episode, we talked a lot about being a leader, but one of the things that he talked about that was really valuable was listening to understand versus to respond. Number three is from episode 15, Communicating with Intention with Marissa Santoro, and we talked about acting in spite of fear. Number four is from episode 13, Culture and Leadership with Cheryl Huey, and she talks about growing in her leadership roles, and this was a specific one. Great story. Loved it. And the last one is from episode 11, Leading with Happiness with Dr. Raj. And he describes what you can do for yourself when leading into happiness. He also talks about the Bamba model. Uh, If you want to learn more about that, go to the whole episode. But this one snippet is also very valuable. Anyways, I really hope you enjoy it. Happy 2020, happy holidays, and I hope to continue leading into it with you in 2021 just kind of let that go of that fear of being on stage or saying the wrong thing or um, not having a good enough idea or presenting poorly. Oh my gosh. So many things.
1: You're truly an improviser because I don't even know if you know it, but you just actually nailed one of the other tenets of improvisation. Really? Yeah. It's called gift giving. Wow. And truly what that is, is like giving a gift on stage. It could be specificity. It could be, for example, actually another way to give a gift, and this is one of my favorite things because it really applies to mm-hmm. leadership. We say the best scene to enter. Oh wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, let me double that. <laughs> the best way to enter a great scene is not to enter at all. And that's because it's already going well. You, I know it's fun and you yeah. want to jump in. That also applies when you're a leader. If your team is doing well, let them do well, oh, right? I love that so much. Take, yeah, so it's giving the gift of just letting it breathe and watching and enjoying and learning and listening. And maybe you might be able to come in later into a scene or as a leader, you might be able to or need to come in and support at another time. But if it's going well, let them mm-hmm. do it, right? Mm-hmm. That's another way to give gifts. Talking is
2: fairly selfish. Listening is fairly selfless. hmm Listening is a leadership competency, but it's counterintuitive because most leaders have been educated and inculturated to speak, to be a powerful influencer, to mm-hmm. be in sales mode, persuasion mode. When is the last time you voted for a candidate because they were a great listener? No, mm-hmm. they were talking, right? And they were persuading you and influencing you. So most leaders have spent the majority of their professional development, learning how to speak better from stage, PowerPoint, keynote, how to how to master your nonverbals, right? And and how to influence, clarify mission, vision, values, systems, structures, strategies, <laughs> clarify, clarify, over clarify, keep speaking, right? I mean, yep. all of us as leaders have been taught the power of being forceful communicators. It's an important competency. I don't, I don't denigrate any of that. Mm-hmm. The problem is. Hardly any of us have had any training around being a better listener
0: because
2: mm-hmm. we're always in persuasion mode. So I think the call to action for your listeners is to really be aware of what a poor listener most of us are, not because we're bad people, mm-hmm. because we're inherently selfish. It's just, you know, I'm a better tennis player than I am a high player. Why? I've never played high I played tennis my whole life. So mm-hmm. naturally, I'm good at playing tennis, I was never turned on to highlight. Highlight, by the way, is a sport in Florida. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Highlight is like a indoor boomerang that you throw with a, a hook and you catch a ball. Okay. It's like, it's like a South American sport. Sorry. Okay. It's called highlight. Yeah. So, I think to become a better listener means you do a couple of things. One is first you become more self-aware of why we are bad listeners. We're bad listeners because we're always on our own agenda. When someone else is talking, naturally, we're all distracted. The American Express bill is due. You know, I need to move the laundry from the washer to the dryer, Mm -hmm. right? What time is my flight tomorrow, right? Have I I checked in? On and on and on, right? We have Mm -hmm. tons of distractions that aren't going away. Netflix is not going to have less programming next year than they had this year. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be more choices and more options as we go forward. So one is to recognize that we're all easily distracted. B is to recognize that when we are listening to someone else, we're usually listening with the intent to respond and not to understand.
0: That's awesome. And that's because
2: we're trying to help people, right? Mm -hmm. Genuinely, we want to help you. Oh, I dated her, here's how you break up with her. I've worked for him, here's how you manage them. I've shopped there, here's how you return that blouse to the store, right? It comes from a good place we want to help other people and when we're listening to someone we're listening on our own agenda our own mm-hmm. timeline our own frame of reference the problem is most people don't want you to help them they just want you to listen and understand
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah don't even need you to agree with them right my wife does not need me to solve <laughs> the latest issue with her girlfriends at orange theory this morning she mm-hmm. just wants me to listen to her and validate her mhm So, I think the first step to being a better listener is to recognize that your need to solve their problem, to respond, to jump in, comes from a good place. But it's usually not helpful Mm -hmm. because most of us listen with the intent to respond. And therefore, our listening style is to ask a bunch of questions, right? To probe, to interpret, Mm -hmm. to evaluate, to peel the onion. And as leaders, we've been taught to ask great questions, right? Metaphorically, get to the root cause and peel the onion. Those are good business skills to have in a meeting where you're trying to understand the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Those are not good skills in relationships. Yes. So the first thing is to recognize how often you kick into response mode, problem solving mode, questioning mode. The other aspect I'll share with you is this idea of interrupting. We have time for that?
0: Yes, go into it. It's
2: great. So I think most of us, if you are really self-aware, all of us have some propensity to interrupt for any number of reasons, right? We want to help solve their problem. They're long-winded. We want to get to the bottom line. We're uncomfortable with silence, whatever it is, right? We want to move it along. We're anxious people. We don't like small talk. Whatever your motivation is, most of us are interrupters. I don't know many people that aren't. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Deborah Tannen, who's a famous linguistics professor from Georgetown, if you got an organizational development or a communication degree in the 70s or 80s or the 90s, you know who Dr. Deborah Tannen is. She was the Oprah of communication in my generation. And I was interviewing her once, and Dr. Tannen shared that the reason most people interrupt, and I think, Sarah, this is profound, so to Mm -hmm. your audience, if I'm boring you, check back in right now, because this next, like, five sentences is good stuff. Mm -hmm. The reason most people interrupt is because all of us have a subconscious alarm clock that goes off in our minds when we think the other person should stop talking. Like literally like a metaphorical ding goes off in our brains. When Sarah thinks that Scott mm-hmm. is done at 38 seconds, that bell goes off and you jump in. When Scott thinks that Don should stop talking at, at 49 seconds, the ding goes off and I interrupt. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: When that bell goes off, we jump in and interrupt. And Deborah Tannen says that if you can resist the urge to interrupt, you can transform your leadership skills, your listening skills, your empathy skills, your relationship skills. So Dr. Tannen said, whenever that alarm clock goes off in your mind and you're tempted to interrupt someone, very gently take your upper lip, Close your mouth, touch your <laughs> upper lip to your lower lip. Don't grimace, right? Don't don't even do it in a way the other person can see. Just very gently have your lips touch each other and count to 10. I'm gonna do it right now.
0: Interesting.
2: And that was my 10.
0: I, I was trying to do it with you too. Yeah, like- and
2: Deborah Tannen, you have a faster 10 than me. Dr. Tannen says that it's in that time, that eight to 10 seconds, if you can resist the urge to interrupt someone, it's likely, highly likely, Sarah, mm-hmm. that the other person will complete their thought, land their point, or share something especially important or sensitive or vulnerable that then allows you to decide, should you ask a question? Should you validate them? Should you follow up? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a transformative skill. I encourage all of your listeners today, if you want to be a better listener, move off your agenda, move off your timeline, don't try to solve someone's problem for them, and resist the temptation to interrupt. Mm,
0: That's so good.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're, uh, yes, I do. I feel like when you're you're approaching fear, you know, your hands are shaking. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I do breathing exercises to help people (laughs) remove anxiety. I have, I have an exercise of, it's called the five-minute phobia cure I mean it's not like a snap your fingers just step into the fear and go it's literally act well what I like to say is acting in spite of the fear it's okay to to have these um emotional triggers which are inevitable in all of us um you know so lots of panic attacks you know I I, I uh I've people and even myself in the very beginning being a you know a woman in that environment but You know, with that all said, it's just that we just need the tools to handle it. It's not that we're saying don't uh, don't step into it or everything's going to be just fine, you know, pat on the back. Mm-hmm. it's it's recognizing you know and also I think we know how we are there are just certain things that we know we get anxiety from even if you don't consider yourself an anxious person right you know we kind of just know that there are things that are going to trigger you and so if you know it I think that's half the battle just being aware of it and then stepping forward anyway it's so funny there's a picture of me from many years ago I was speaking at it was like my first large speaking event and I'm I'm on a podium and I'm holding on to that podium for dear life first <laughs> my first live engagement and I was so nervous. No one knew, right. I mm-hmm. just did it. But I, after that one event, I could never not speak in front of an audience again. Um, but I had to do it. Right. We have to go through that rite of passage. And then when it's over, you know, it's like, you know, driving stick shift, you can never not know how to drive stick shift again it could be 20 mm-hmm. years or get on a bike. You know, you just remember. Mm-hmm. So I think we just have to really remember to be good, good to ourselves. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us are very hard on ourselves and, um, and just keep, you know, stepping into it and embracing it.
0: It's so true, but you also don't know how you're going to react until you're in the situation. So unless you get yeah. to embrace the situation itself, you're never going to know how to prepare yourself to react because you don't know how you will. So
3: by yes. essentially
0: embracing your fear, you're preparing yourself for your future self.
3: That's right. You don't really know. Um, but if you, uh, I, I talk about uh, this, this concept of high expectation, low attachment Okay, so high expect- expectation is you know you just really you know expect the best that you can even if it's a minimal thing and then just let it go because um, it can really uh, you could spend a long time just thinking and over analyzing things you know versus just taking action and seeing where it goes with the hi- highest expectation.
0: I love that that's awesome
4: that that was a great way in which I was able to kind of kind of top it off, you know, was something that was just so rewarding. But, but the one role that sticks out over these years, that was probably the most challenging and stretched me beyond a, was actually when I stepped into uh, uh, that manager of customer service in Las Vegas. Mm. Because I, um, I went from a very uh, small uh, span of control to a very large, Uh, span of control and and a real big jump of responsibilities and um, very scared Mm -hmm. uh, going in did not feel overly equipped because in those years we did not have uh, the training and development that we have today it was really kind of we called it throw you the keys and the radio and send you on your way but and in reality that was pretty accurate
1: Mm -hmm.
4: Uh, but um I was able to just go in and um, uh, get to know some great folks. Um, There was a volume of activity there from customers and employees, and uh, it really just kind of helped to continue to exercise that leadership muscle at a very larger scale Mm -hmm. Uh, because when you're dealing with a lot of things on a daily basis, you make a lot of mistakes, but as you're making mistakes, you're also learning.
2: Mm -hmm. And
4: um, um, I felt like, wow, that – I was only there two and a half years, but two few years. I felt like where I'd started and where I ended up, boy, I had I'd gotten a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> Is there
0: a a story that like sticks out in your mind from that time?
4: Oh gosh. Um, you know, a a story that was just shared the other day by our uh, one of our senior uh VPs at ground ops, mm-hmm. Steve Goldberg. I don't know if you were in the meeting, Sarah, when he was in mm-hmm, here, but no. <laughs> but Steve Goldberg, who's now our uh uh Senior VP of uh, operations, I guess. I'm trying to think of what his actual title is. You know how we change titles off. <laughs> I but, know. <laughs> but Steve actually was a customer service agent uh, for another airline, and um, somebody had recommended him to join uh, the Las Vegas crew, and I uh, I thought highly of the leader who was recommended him. So um, I was so honored to even meet with Steve and saw exactly what they were saying, and Hired Steve in as a customer service agent, and he shares the story of uh, he was working the or working a gate. And back then, uh, you had to stand in line to give the agent their ticket, and then get your boarding card, and then go stand another line. <laughs> and uh, I was roaming around uh, checking in on everybody, and sure enough, there was Steve checking in the flight, and there was a line of people. I bet you there was close to 100 people in line, and the flight was going to be departing in like 20 minutes. And so I I uh, walked over to the side, and that was unusual. There is always chaos in, in mm-hmm. Las Vegas, in long lines. And uh, he was working steadily, and uh, I said, Steve, uh, there's things to be a long line. there something I can help you with. And he said, oh, no, no, I've got it. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Let me start you know, pulling some tickets. So all of a sudden, uh, he realized we better step into a lot quicker gear than what he was doing. And again, he was so new with us. And so we tackled that line and, and got out and we both just sat and kind of did the little high five. And, um, he shares that story because, and I didn't realize it impacted him that much. You know, you forget the stories until somebody reminds you. And he said, he just appreciated how I approached him that I didn't like freak out. And and I, I didn't scold. And, uh, but I remained calm. And he and I worked through it and he still shares that story today. And, um, Uh, But that was probably just one of all the chaotic things and and craziness that Las Vegas was because we had a lot of customers with a lot of of problems and we had a lot of employees with a lot of problems. And um, it just gave me a lot of great opportunity to uh, kind of flex that leadership muscle. I can't
0: tell you how much I love that story because I think as a leader, sometimes you forget the impact you have on people because you do take care of them and you try to do the best for them but to hear the other side of how impactful what you did that day was and to know that it impacted him for years and years to come it's such a great message for everyone who wants to be a leader or is a leader the little things matter too
5: right so you know what can you do for yourself in order to kind of advance towards uh, the fulfillment of each of those five Bamba elements, right? Basic needs and so on. So one thing that you can do for um, voice, for example, let me just pick voice, right? Mm -hmm. I said that very important that people feel that they have this sense of psychological safety and uh, this feeling that what they say isn't futile and actually is, are going to be implemented or taken into account. So you know you can very easily look at that and say that okay the reason why I'm not happy is because I'm not given enough voice. Okay, and it could be true. You know, in a lot of organizations, maybe that's what is going on. Mm-hmm. But you could also look at it and say that well, you know, could it be that when you speak up, you speak up out of turn, or you say things that are um, ruffling feathers? You don't use the right tone. Okay, mm-hmm. you're not as respectful when you, when you speak up and you, um, kind of dominate the conversation. Okay. You, you own a larger share of voice, so to speak, when you speak up and so on. Um, if that is happening, then it is kind of understandable at some level that you feel that you you don't have enough voice because people are not giving it to you because they feel that when you speak up, um, you, you kind of create more bad negative energy and vibes, um, because of all the things, all these mm-hmm. things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you've not earned, in other words, you've not earned the right to be given voice, right? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? So, uh, you know, it's not that the organization is to blame here as much as perhaps you are to blame for not having the right kind of, um, you know, uh, right personality or uh, right behaviors um, for you to be given that voice. And so you have to now work on yourself in order to change certain things to be more productive from your From your side so that you can be given more voice and so that's the you know you are the lead dancer in the bamba dance
0: yes yes it's so true because if you reflect on what you bring to the table and see what characteristics you could adjust or kind of steer course because i think people tell themselves this narrative that an organization is either against them or this organization isn't for them But instead switching gears, using this Bamba model, kind of looking at each of these characteristics and asking yourself, okay, well, what am I telling myself? And is it actually true? And if it's not true, what can I do to change it? Exactly. And and that you have so much more control and direction for yourself than probably your leader could ever give you.
5: Absolutely. And when you ask yourself those questions, the fact that somebody would even ask those questions, you know, am Mm -hmm. I kind of contributing enough or uh, could the problem lie with me? That question itself. I think it takes a little bit of um, you know, um, yeah. evolved personality to, to ask those questions.
0: It's hard to ask those questions it and internalize yeah, what you're trying to figure out. Yeah,
5: it is hard to do it. And I think that not only should you ask those questions, but I think that your default assumption should be that you on average, and by you, I mean everyone, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it mm-hmm. includes me and you, Sarah, and everyone is listening to this. Uh, on average tends to hold this, overly lofty view of ourselves okay in the research it's called mm-hmm. self-positivity bias mm-hmm. self-positivity bias okay so on average people think that they're kinder more well-meaning more um, responsible more creative and so on and so forth than are other people and when you ask people okay mm. are you kinder than the average person most of the hands go up okay yeah I am kinder and that doesn't make sense because on average, people should be average, right? Uh-huh. And so if everybody, you know, 100% of a room says that I'm kinder than the average, then they're kind mm-hmm. of clueless as to what the average is, okay? Uh, only 50% can be above average on average. So um, that means that we, we harbor this or we suffer from the self-positivity bias, which should then give us a hint that if we think that the problem lies outside of us always, lies outside of us, then we're probably not being realistic. We're being a little bit delusional. And so I think that we should err on the side of assuming that mm-hmm. often the problem lies with us and uh, to try and correct that first and take that extra step. And if we do that, then I think that we really are now starting to adopt what I'm going to later you know, talk a little more about uh, mm-hmm. all the abundance mind.
0: thanks for listening to another episode of lead into it if you enjoyed this episode it would mean a lot to me if you would leave a review on apple podcast or spotify to help future listeners if you want to learn more about the podcast or me go to leadintoit.co that's leadintoit.co thanks again